I have no idea what the sermon is about, but when I um, was preparing to read the scripture, it struck me that um, th uh, this passage is kind of a turning point um, from when the religion was just the Jews and uh, Jesus carrying on the Jewish tradition uh, to a time um, with the, the Jews and the Greeks, um, but um, universally. So, reading from Galatians. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Thank you. If I keep the microphone here, is this a good spot for folks? Good. Friends, I invite you to join me in a spirit of prayer. Speak to us, God, for we are listening. Speak to us, God, for we are waiting for your voice. Speak to us, God, in our hearts and all around. Tell us what can be, what can be. Amen. Friends, I'm a chaplain, so I love stories. And so that is where we will begin today. I've got a good one for you, I think. When I was in college, I had an opportunity to study abroad in Ecuador. I lived in the country's capital city, Quito, for exactly 132 days, which is four and a half months. Ecuador is about the size of Colorado, so it makes it a pretty manageable country to travel around. Still, being so small, Ecuador still has four main regions, La Playa, La Ciudad, Amazonia y Galapagos, coastal communities, cities like Quito and Guayaquil, the Amazon rainforest, and the beautiful islands of Galapagos. Each is distinct in terms of climate and indigenous heritage, customs, and linguistic dialect. During my stay in Ecuador, I was lucky enough to visit all four, including Galapagos. The islands are about 550 miles west of South America, and they are not super easy to get to. Visas, at least then, were pretty highly regulated, so when I discovered an open spot in a tour group with other students, I jumped on that opportunity. A dozen of us stayed on a small boat for just a few nights. During the day, we hiked and snorkeled and swam. 
We drank local, we ate local, we danced local. We saw all the creatures. I was so happy. We saw sea lions and Galapagos tortoises. We saw blue-footed boobies and lizards and land iguanas. We saw sharks, dolphins, right under our boat, and all the kinds of fish you could even imagine. And we saw Darwin's very own finches. Galapagos is known best, I think, for the work of Charles Darwin, originator of what we know as the theory of evolution. By observing the traits of about 15 different species of finches, Darwin articulated an idea. The idea that creatures adapt to their surroundings over time, that the bodies of animals can change over time. Human animals were no exception to this theory. So this theory ruffled some feathers in the broader Christian community. In both creation stories found in Christian scripture, both in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2, humankind was just made, full stop. The bodies we have now are the ones that we had in the beginning. How could this idea sit in relationship with Darwin's theories that bodies change over time? As Darwin's theory of evolution became widely accepted in the scientific community, one of the responses from the church was rejection. The church, broadly speaking, said that the theory of evolution was incompatible with Christian teaching. This, I think, is one of the most predominant issues, this theory of evolution, used to highlight this supposed binary of science versus religion. Friends, as you're comfortable, I'll invite you to close your eyes. You don't have to, but if you will, I invite you to your imagination. Imagine that under you is not a pew or a chair, but the hard surface of a boat deck. Imagine the gentle sway of the ocean. Smell the salt and the sunscreen. Feel the breeze across your cheeks, your collar, in your hair. Your skin might feel warm from sunburn or sticky from sweat. Imagine the horizon at sunset. All you can see is deep, dark blue water, meeting a sky orange like sherbet, yellow and red like the blaze of a campfire. Fluffy, billowing clouds like mounds of cotton stretched across like pillows. Imagine in the distance stretches of mountains across the shore, covered in trees and shrubs. Volcanoes and the Earth's rotation collaborating to dot the horizon with mounds of Earth. In this moment, with this sight, I myself sat on a boat deck, and I felt like I had to choose. Do I feel overcome by the beautiful logic puzzle of evolution fitting together so perfectly, the comforting sense of order in chaos? Or, or do I feel overcome by the mystery and clandestine work of God? Do I marvel at thousands and thousands of years of nature's resiliency? Or... Or do I admire God's creative and expansive spirit, bigger than I can even fathom? 
If you haven't, please feel welcome to open your eyes again. Do you see what I mean? In this birthplace of so much modern science, my entire sense of faith was called into question. I felt so sure of the story of evolution. I also felt so sure of the stories of my Christian faith, of God's presence in the beginning, of God's orchestration of the world, of God's sense of order. I didn't see room in science for God. Nor did I see much room in religion for the work of science. I was so torn. I felt like I needed to choose. God or not God. Spoiler alert, I chose both. The text from today from Galatians points toward this conundrum that us humans find ourselves in more often than not. This conundrum of a binary. Of two choices only. Binaries are how humans make sense of the world. In some ways, all things have opposites. It's how our brains make sense of things. These categories, they keep us safe. Food, not food. Water, not water. Angry bear charging at us, not an angry bear, not charging at us. We are animals, so our brains have learned to make quick assessments for our preservation and our safety for the sake of keeping us alive, quite literally. We need to be able to look at something and see if it's a threat and decide quickly if our lives or the lives of our families and friends are in danger. This reliance, this animal instinct that is in us, remained with us as our communities and societies changed over time. The human part of us, the thinking part of us, applied these kinds of stratifications to other humans we meet. Categories, classification, structure and organization. Traditionally, these are hallmarks of advanced societies, of people doing it right. There are systems in place to provide services, to cultivate education, to establish government. Categories allow us to make these things. So I'm not surprised when I see binaries come up in our scripture for today. It makes me feel connected, honestly, to those people from the early church from long ago. They too were humans trying to make sense of their world. They too relied on categories, law or faith, Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. In the cultural context of the early church, these were some of the huge markers of difference. Nationality, economic rank, gender. These labels defined how people could be in the world, how we could expect each other to relate to one another. They were clearly significant. These markers were to help humans quickly determine how to act, how to engage, how to respond one another. Today, if we were making a list of these markers, of these labels, I think we'd use some same but some different categories. Black or white, sober or addict, gay or straight, documented, undocumented, millennial, baby boomer, able or disabled. These are some of the markers today's humans use to quickly determine how to act, 
how to engage, how to respond to one another. The binary way of categorizing people that the early Christians experienced is not unlike the binaries Christians and people see today. So if we have the binary in common, I wonder what else? The other thing, the other thing we have in common with early Christians beside this intrinsic need to distinguish things one from the other is the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. The Jesus who was human and divine, person and God, perfect and imperfect. The things we have in common after all these years of binaries is freedom found through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because of Jesus who was God but also not God. Who lived but then didn't live but then lived again. Because of this Savior who came to earth and upended every expectation and crossed every boundary. Because of Jesus, we are set free to do likewise. Because Jesus served Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female, the separated categories of his time, Christians are free to do the same today because of the fullness and richness of Jesus' own life, we are free to see between and outside of boundaries that humankind makes to make a sense of order. We are pointed toward God's order, God's kingdom, God's day when all are made one, when the categories we humans use are eradicated. Because we belong to Christ, we are set free toward the fullness of all creation. On this day when we celebrate and remember our commitment to being an open and affirming congregation, this is some beautiful gospel. What a gift Christ has offered the church that we no longer need to rely on these categories to decide who is in and who is out, who can serve and who can't, who can teach and who can't. By welcoming lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people fully into the life and leadership of the church, you, we embody the resurrection promise. This community testifies to the power of Christ, that the categories that have been used to separate us from one another are eradicated through love. The Christian church's history with the LGBT community is long, and painful, among other things, but it is long and it has been painful. Many have been cast out from the church or unwelcomed in our fullness as beloved children of God. But the resurrection, it sets us free to write a new story. Friends, this is not to say that we ignore difference. It is not that in Christ we all become the same or that we become this monolithic group of oneness, of uniformity, of conformity. This is not about making everyone fit in the same mold. The love of Christ does not demand that we forego all of the things that make us unique. The love of Christ says that we are free to embrace the fullness of all of it that lives in each of us and in each other. We are made one in Christ. We are made complete. We are made whole. We are committed. 
In Christ, we are independent, we are bonded, we are covenanted, we belong to one another and to God in our fullness. We are not forced into groups and kept apart, we are free. We are free to bring all of who we are to the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is made whole because of it. The discernment before you today, First Congregational Church, is what you will choose to do next. How is Christ calling you to boldly make room for the fullness of creation? What boundaries are you asked to cross for the sake of the kingdom of God? Which category, which categories made up by humans and our need to stratify and classify? Which categories is God asking you to undo for the sake of oneness in Christ? Who are you called to welcome? What stories are you called to hear? Since it's open and affirming Sunday, I'll let you know that the work of LGBTQ inclusion in the life of the Christian church is not complete. The world is in need of your witness. Through the reconciling power of Christ, beloveds, you are equipped and you are called to break open these binaries and boundaries. May you be blessed in this tremendous work. Amen.